Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. But it is so good to, to, uh, to be here. It's amazing to see so many faces that I, that I don't, uh, don't recognize. It's a good sign of growth. And it is amazing to see so many faces that I do recognize as, as well. Um, uh, it's incredible to... Philip's smile is just as big as it has always been. It's just amazing to see that nothing has been able to, to diminish that smile. But it's amazing. And to see Bernay and Harki just, just worshiping God. And the Lord is taking you guys next level as far as the worship is concerned. And I know that's a reflection of the leadership's heart as well. And what an amazing blessing to, to be here. I was actually here a couple of weeks ago. I uh, stayed over at Annie's place. Uh, but I was on my way to, um, to Secunda and to Stanerton. I had to do a quick meeting there. And, um, and then I, I just drove uh, along a few of the, the roads that I used to drive when, uh, when we were here uh, past our house. And I drove uh, uh, around. I'll never forget there was this one corner. Um, we had just moved from Woodmead to, to, to Randburg to the school there. And... Um, uh, we were busy cleaning the school and prepping the school for the, uh, for the service. I think some of you guys will still remember that, uh, that day. I think it was raining still uh, that day. And I remember um, I had a crazy accident on my way to, to the church, actually, that, uh, that Saturday. Um, because I, I had actually lost my temper. <laughs> That's what happened. I was, just, I was so frustrated with, uh, with something, and I went around the corner too fast. I lost control of the, the car at a seven-seater Toyota Condor. It's a big car. Any of you don't remember the Condor? My, uh, my girl, Annika, she's 12 years old now. When she was smaller, she wanted to get married in the Condor. But she, uh, <laughs> she's now too cool for that anymore. You know, uh, I arrived at school the other day, and uh, we went away to England, and I just wanted to greet her. And so I called her. She came to the, to the foyer in the office. And so she comes walking in there, and I'm like, yo, Give her a hug and I want to pick her up and she's like, Dad, you're embarrassing me. So I was like, oh man, it started. <laughs> but she's still okay with giving me hugs at home. But in public, it's just like, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, just, just driving past that stretch of road and uh, I, I saw the wall that I almost drove into and God had supernaturally protected us and um, I, I remember so vividly trying to gain control of the car, and it was literally as, as if an angel just took hold of that steering wheel and, and got us safely between massive boulders. And we, I think you still came, didn't, didn't I phone you? You, you, still, you still came, remember? That I phoned you, you said, if you've got to come and help, we, we're stuck. <laughs> we had a bit of an accident. Um, but I was, I was driving there, and I couldn't help but just thank God for his faithfulness. You know, the city is an amazing city. I tell the guys in Somerset West that uh, uh, Joburg is an amazingly tough place. But it is an amazing place nonetheless because it forces you deep, deep, deep into intimacy with God. And it forces you into intimacy with one another as well. forces you into community. Uh, you don't have the mountains necessarily and the ocean you can just go and walk by the ocean and you feel better, or climb a mountain and you feel better. So you've got to connect with God, and you've got to rely on the people around you, and that is special. 
And so to just sense the vulnerability in the worship, that is special because that also doesn't happen overnight. It speaks of trust. And uh, I was so thankful to God, thinking back to our, our time here and, and how God had done so much, very often even in spite of us and in spite of a lot of things that I was still learning. Thank God for His grace because I made so many mistakes and yet God in His grace still used me and is continuing to do that. So I want to thank you guys for your prayers as well. Shofar Santon, we love you guys. It's amazing to be part of this church family. Thank you for praying for Nikki and myself and for the kids. Jono is, uh, so when we arrived here, we were in Pretoria for four years and then in uh, Joburg for three years. And the first of those three years, we were commuting from Pretoria to, um, to Joburg with the Gau train. And then we lived here for, for two years and it was such a special time for us here, but Jonah was small. He's, uh, he's 14 years old now in grade 8, and having a, a whale of a time at res. He's a social connector. Um, and so when we asked the, the people there at the res, how, how is he doing in school? Now he's doing well. He's made friends. Incredible. So I told him, okay, so now it's time to channel all of that energy towards your schoolwork. Because if you were to have received grades based on your social activities, it would be flying colors, but unfortunately, you've got you've to reverse some of the energy. Annika is 12, more gorgeous than ever, and Kate is, um, Kate is 8. Um, and so, just such a massive blessing to have amazing kids. My wife is even more beautiful today than what she was last time you saw her. She's the best thing of my life, and I thank, I thank God for that. And uh, we've just come back from a trip to, to the UK, and, um, and when we were there, uh, we visited this incredible place, there are quite a few of you guys that you were in the UK at one stage or another. You, you were at Chauffeur, London, Bernay, you know, who else? Lauren, you guys were there. Who else were up in the UK when uh, Chauffeur there had key? And uh, it was so good to be with the, the Chauffeur family there. And so we arrived on the, the Tuesday and then we flew up to, or we drove up to, to Scotland for a couple of days, came back, and then spent some time with the Chauffeur UK family, preached at Wimbledon. And then we went to this beautiful place called uh, uh, Beachy Head. It's in Eastbourne, uh, in the coast of, of England. And I apologize, the, the picture's a bit small there, but if you go back to the, to the collage. So, um, yeah, of course, this is my, my beautiful wife over there, and there's beautiful sunset, and there's, that's Hercules' calves that you can see there. All right, and that's Zoe on his shoulders, and Kate on, on my shoulders. So Zoe and Kate, they hit it off. They drove us crazy, but they had lots and lots of fun. And uh, so Beachy Head is one of the, the highest cliffs in, in England. It's a chalk cliff. And, uh, but you can see far. You can almost see up to the coast of France from there if you, look, if you look very, very, very intently. So there's Hercules and myself, and we're dreaming. Uh, we're dreaming about planting churches and God's kingdom that's going to come. And just such an awe-inspiring place, a, a place that really just inspires worship. You know, the sunset there was incredible to see God's beauty, to see God's creation there. And um, you'll see there at the background, there's a little lighthouse. If you go to the next picture, you will see, uh, get a bit of a better idea. So those cliffs are massive, right? They, they're gigantic, and there's that lighthouse. And what is, what is so incredible about that place, it is, it is so beautiful, it is so awe-inspiring. And it just, like I've said, it, it wants to bring you to a place of falling on your knees and, and saying, God, you are majestic, you are beautiful, you are incredible. There's no one like you, no one can create something as, as beautiful. And, and this reminded me, if you go to the next slide, 
of something very interesting. Um, a little bit further on the same cliff, there's this lighthouse. And the crazy thing about this lighthouse is that um, the UK government had to spend lots and lots of money to move that lighthouse. Because that lighthouse was built on the cliff, and it was built on the chalky ground. And so what happened was over the years, the rain and the wind actually began to erode the ground beneath that lighthouse. And so before that thing crashed, they decided to invest some money to move that entire lighthouse to a safer spot, to a more solid spot. If you go back to the previous slide, can we go? Yeah. Nobody's moving that baby. <laughs> that lighthouse ain't going nowhere because it's built on the rock. And the waves and the wind and the rain can do what it wants to do, but it's not moving that lighthouse. And as I was standing there, I was just, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about how God had called us as believers to be a lighthouse. Amen. To be, to be a lighthouse that, that, can, that can point people to a place of safety, to say, we are not your place of safety. But we know who is. We can point you in the right direction. Apparently, that was part of the channel that was also used in the evacuation of Dunkirk. Some of you remember that. Thousands of British soldiers, soldiers rescued as uh, civilians took their little yachts and boats out to bring those soldiers back to, to safety. The crazy thing about Beachy Head is that it is so beautiful. It's so awe-inspiring beautiful. But from 1965, more or less, up until now, more than 500 people committed suicide there. That very same place that is so awe-inspiring and beautiful. That very same place that, that you would go there with your family and you just want to worship God or have a picnic they have patrol cars patrolling their place with chaplains, people looking out. There's a 24-7 suicide rescue service there. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that lighthouse being moved, and I was thinking about what happens to, to, to people's foundations, that you would be shifted so much that the basic instinct of everyone's life, self-preservation, gets shifted so far that you get to the place where you want to end your life. And so Beachhead is the third most notorious suicide spot in the world. Chicago Bridge is the first one, the second one, and then there's a place in Japan. I forget its name. Beautiful place, and yet a dangerous place. And so being in, in, in England and in, in, in Europe, chatting to so many people, I, I realized that this is a first world country. I mean, this is, this is a country that many people now, if, if you're in South Africa and you were to speak to many people, would probably say, man, if I could get there, I would be there tomorrow to get away from whatever it is that's confronting us. And I realized that, that really you can be in the first world country, the most beautiful country in the world. Not that I'm saying that that's the most beautiful country in the world. and We know the truth, of course. But um, you can be in an environment like that and, and if there's something that is shifted on the inside of you, it really doesn't matter what's happening externally. It really doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether you're in Joburg or Somerset West or in Eastbourne. If, if something has shifted on the inside, it is the inside, it's the internal dialogue, it's the internal foundation that determines everything about your life. And everything about the world tries us to focus on the externals. 
So if we can shift this, change this, change the wife, change the job, change the car, change the house, change the church, then I will be happier. And they couldn't be further removed from the truth. And God has called his people to be internally driven, internally motivated, internally focused. And so I'm going to share with you from this psalm, Psalm 27, the New English Translation. Forgive me, Henry, it's not from the ESV. No, just go, go back. Please go back, you guys. are way too fast for me tonight. Psalm 27, verse 5. This verse came to my mind. And, and Psalm 27 is a verse that uh, my dad gave me while I was in the States in, 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 uh, in 2000. I was teaching there. And I was going through an incredibly difficult time. I was going through a time of a lot of soul-searching. I'd gone to America. I'd, I'd pursued my dream that I wanted to do. Um, I had made some promises to myself. I, I said I'll, I'll never become a, a teacher. I ended up teaching. I said I'll never become a pastor, and I'm pastoring, all right? We also said, Nikki and myself, when we got married, Lord, we'll go anywhere, send us anywhere except Pretoria and Joburg, all right? So guess where we ended up, all right? So if any one of you had any nevers, all right, okay, God will deal with you. He will surely give me shelter in the day of danger. He will hide me in his home. He will place me on an inaccessible rocky summit. I love that. And my dad sent me that, that, um, that psalm in a time when I was really doubting myself. I was, I was busy teaching. The, the dream was to, to gain a lot of experience, to make money, to come back and start my own Christian school. It was a beautiful dream. It was a good dream. It wasn't a God dream. I imposed a lot of my own thoughts in there and what God wanted me to do. But nonetheless, uh, I went to the States, and there I was confronted with my dreams, my plans, and God's plans. So God frustrated me. Uh, a lot of things that worked while I was teaching in Cape Town wasn't working there anymore. Uh, I remember I was going early into, into, into school, laying hands on the desks, praying for the desks, anointing the desks, the names of the kids, I was praying for them. And every day it was torment. Every day. And some of you guys might have seen Dangerous Minds many years ago. You know that movie? It was like living that movie. It was literally felt like I was in this American horror movie. And I'm trapped and I can't get out of it. Every day to buzz the sheriff to come and get somebody out of the class. People trying to kill one another. It was terrible. But God was using that to, to bring me to a breaking point. God was using that to bring me to the end of my own strength because somewhere down the line, I was still mapping out my own life, still making my own plans. And I'd, I'd, I'd woven God into that, and I was desirous to see God's blessing upon that. And there was a measure of blessing upon it, but it was still my plans. And so some of the most precious moments for me was in my one-bedroom flat, just on the ground, crying, weeping, saying, God, deliver me, give me peace, God, save these kids so I can have peace. <laughs> Fill them with your spirit so I can live. And there was just frustration and frustration until God had backed me into a corner and I made peace with the calling of God upon my life. What he had truly, really called me to do. And this, and this verse carried me. In, and Psalm 27 became a very precious verse um, for me, not just during that time, but also while we were here in Joburg. It, it carried me in so many different ways, and it continued to carry me in. And, and, and this evening, I want to speak to you just a little bit about the foundation of the Word of God. Just that, that solid rock that, that we all know 
But I want to drop a few things just in your heart. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for what you have already begun to do in the hearts of your people. God, thank you that you are faithful, unchanging, constant, ever-loving, holy. Thank you, Lord, for the stories in this room. Thank you, Lord God, for what you have invested and built into your people. And thank you that you will have your way with us even tonight, God. Thank you for what you are shifting inside of us as your Holy Spirit has begun to already move things inside of us. God, I pray that as I minister tonight, Lord, that it will simply be confirmation to what you have already been doing, God. Thank you, Lord, for that, that inaccessible rocky mount that you are inviting us onto, a place of safety. And I pray now, God, for those of us, Lord, who are closer to the edge than what we would want to admit that we would again hear your invitation for us to come home, to come into your presence, God. Come into the place where we are sheltered by you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 27 verse 1 says, and I've just titled this um, Heart to Heart, and I just really just want to share from my heart to yours. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, and the war may rise against me in this I will be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty and to inquire of the Lord in his temple. There's, 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 there's something about David's heart in, he, in, he, in, in verse 5, the New King James that we just read. He, he speaks about the time of trouble. And, and remember that David's trouble was real trouble, eh? It wasn't just some figment of the imagination or just spiritual warfare. It was real trouble. It was real trouble. And, and, he's, and he understands that when you, not if you get into trouble, but when you run into trouble, you need to know your secret place. You need to know that spot away from all the noise and from all the clamor and from all the voices. You need to know that. And we are at a place like this in our nation where the people of God need to know that place. And when I was looking at that lighthouse, I realized that God had called the church to be a lighthouse. There's this beautiful song by My Lighthouse Red Collective. God is my lighthouse. But he has the same time, he's called us to be a lighthouse. To, 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 to be a place of refuge. Not just a place that, that your church hasn't just been Called and designed to be a place of refuge for us where we can escape from the city and, and be safe in our little holy huddle and have an amazing time of fellowship with God and with one another. But it has been designed to also be a place of refuge for the city as well. That God wants this refuge that we are experiencing to, to grow, to expand like concentric circles of grace extending from this place into our workplaces, into the boardrooms and the schools and the playgrounds. But in order for us to have confidence 
for the city, for the, the country, for, for our broken country, for the, the, the thousands of women being raped and murdered and the kids being slaughtered, for, for this, the church to make a difference, we need to have confidence in God as our shelter. Because I don't know about you, but just reading the stats is intimidating. Just looking at the reality that's facing us through the newspapers, it is intimidating. And unless we anchor ourselves again in the rock that is God. Because the world doesn't need more of us. The world doesn't need more of our plans, our thoughts, our ideas. There are a million brilliant thoughts and plans out there. Just read the newspaper headlines today. The cops are clueless about xenophobia. I don't know. No, no. It was too harsh. It said the cops don't have a plan to stop xenophobia. Of course they don't. Was how do you stop that? Now in, in Cape Town, we have the army in there in the Cape Flats. Because Cape Town is officially the most dangerous city in the world. 20, 30 people dying every weekend. The Cape Flats is a war zone. And the army is in there and it's not making too much of a difference. Because it's only the power and the love of God that can change a heart. And so we need to pray for the army. I was, I was driving. You guys have such amazing opportunities for incredible quiet times on your roads. It's amazing. I was just driving down the road again. I just felt a spirit of intercession upon me. It was just so lacquer. Remember how often I would, I would pray just driving in these beautiful N1 and N1, M1. I used to get lost often. Just one, one turn off and you end up in the wrong place. But um, a police van came past me, and I just felt an unction to pray for that police van. K9091 was. Prayed for him. Prayed for the dog. Prayed for the police officers that God would equip them and protect them, would protect their families because they are seeing trauma that no human being should see. And they can't cope with it, so they kill their wives and their fiancés and their kids because they can't cope with it. They need a safe place. Those policemen need a safe place. Those gangsters need a safe place. I remember as I was running from Edgemead through, through Grassy Park on the way home, I was boarding and being attacked by those three gangsters and standing there and having the gun pointed at me in that moment realizing I've got a safe place. I realized I'm not the victim here. These three boys, they are the victims. They're slaves to fear and to manipulation. It was clear to me just like that that my life is not in their hands. But they're the trapped ones. They're the enslaved ones, and they need a safe place. They need a place of refuge. And in order for, for us to, to invite them into that place and take that place to them, it's important for us, once again, to root ourselves in God as our anchor. It's God is our rock. It's God is our foundation. And the first part of verse, verse 1 of Psalm 27 says, that The Lord is my light and my salvation. I love the presence of God. I love what happens when we worship God, we praise God, and we sense His presence. We feel Him, and words of prophecy come. I love that. One of the most powerful words of prophecy I've ever experienced coming through this broken vessel was here in Woodmead. Where's Woodmead from here? It's around the corner, I think, somewhere. Yeah, that way. Remember one intercession evening, we were praying, and then the Holy Spirit just came upon us, and just like, just words of prophecy just came out like, like wells, just, were just flowing. Shifted so many things in our, in our lives. Remember going up onto the, the, the water tower there by North Cliff. And some of you guys will still remember. We cleansed the ground there. Prophesied from those hills. 
that God would do amazing things. There was a little house there, and we went into that house, and there were all sorts of photographs with witchcraft things around that, and we, we cleansed that area. I remember the backlash of demonic visitations in my house, human spirits and demon spirits visiting me in the house during that, that time. And I remember God's, God's words of prophecy just coming and saying, He is going to establish His work here. He's going to take this, this small group of believers and He's going to do mighty things through them here in the city. So one of the most difficult things for me was to leave this, this, this ministry because I could see what God was doing. I could see where God was heading with us. I could see the beautiful fulfillment of so many promises. And I wanted to be here. I don't know how many of you have been in a place where you pray for things and you're like, I've invested so much that I need to be here, God. I need to see this coming to pass. And God told me, get out of the way. (laughs) Get out of the way. Get out of the way. And I'm so thankful to to Henny, thankful to Stephen, to Lauren, all of you. Guys, for stepping up, stewarding what God has, has done here. But you know, it was tough for me to surrender this work to God. Because I had to detach myself. And, and I, the choice for me was my family or the ministry. Because we were going through a tough time during that time. Nick and myself and the dynamics in our, in our house with a, a beautiful boy that we love very much. We're fostering, but not without complications. And so I was putting a lot of strain upon, upon our marriage. And I had to make a decision. And God told me, you had done what I've called you to do. Get out of the way. And I remember sharing with, with Henny and Barry, other Henny, Henny Van, sharing with him and with Barry and one of the other guys, Stefan, Stefan um, Bavar, Steph, shared with him what God was laying in my heart and just weeping and understanding that, sure, God, this is costing me quite a bit. But saying to God, God, I don't want to leave you unless your presence goes with us. And knowing that his presence has gone ahead of us. He's prepared a place for us. And if I didn't make that move, by, and, and I remember speaking to someone and saying, we're going, we're going for a sabbatical. We're going to move just under the radar and just go in there. And that lasted about a month or so. And then, and then things changed. But the Lord brought me back to this verse over and over again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And in the presence of God, if, if we don't know who God is, if we don't know His character, if we don't know how He does things, if we don't know who He is, if, when we say the Lord is my light and my salvation, and if my understanding of the Lord is that of a distant God, what good does it do me to have the Lord as my light? You understand what I'm saying? If my understanding of the Lord is, is of one that is, that is still stuck on a cross somewhere, then what good does it do to have him as my light? So when I enter into the presence of God, and, and God has called you as a congregation to steward the presence of God, to, to, to release words of prophecy and life over people's hearts, but unless you understand and know who is this God whose presence is manifesting, What does it mean when we say that God is our comforter? Who is this God who is a comforter? Is his comfort like a human comfort? Who is this God? And so I want to urge you to continue on the journey of establishing your understanding of who the Lord is upon the word of God. As we are deep in the word, we can go deep in the spirit. 
Our understanding of the Word, our understanding of life in the Spirit will only ever be as deep as our understanding of the Word of God. The Lord is my light and my salvation, and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs again to understand who the Lord is. You speak to people in Europe, they've got no clue. In our nation, we still have a God conscience. It's amazing. But the Lord has just been encouraging me and saying to me, Heinrich, leave behind even the stuff that you think you know and go to the Word afresh. Grow hungry for the Word again because there's a bombardment of noise and sounds and and a lot of things clamoring for our attention that wants to draw us away from the Word of God. The vehicle through which God has chosen to reveal His heart, first and foremost, is through the written Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And so there are a couple of of beautiful verses that you guys can go and meditate upon, but Isaiah 9 verse 6 says that that speaking prophetically of Jesus and and the gospel writers draw on this that that his name, the Lord, the, the one that we say, he's my light and my salvation, that his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So when we say that the Lord is in the house, when we say God is here and He's wanting to flood you with His presence, then it is the mighty God that is wanting to flood you with His presence. It is the everlasting Father that is wanting to flood you with His presence. It is the Counselor that wants to flood you with His presence. It is the Comforter that wants to flood you with His presence. But if you don't know, if you don't have a, 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 a frame of reference for God, when you encounter Him, you can in all likelihood miss Him completely. You can in all, in all likelihood be in this very same atmosphere where God is moving, the Spirit is moving, but because your understanding of who He is is stunted or limited, you can miss Him. But he loves to reveal himself to you. That's the beautiful thing about God. And so moments like this, for me, is like appetizer. Not the appetizer. Appetizer. It's like appetizers. Where God comes and he, he comes to sprinkle his spirit upon us. And don't you just wish you could stay here forever. I mean, I hate having to sometimes step up here and, and preach. Because God's presence is so amazing. But you know what? It is an invitation for you to connect with him back home. It's an invitation for you that what you've tasted and experienced here to go back home and to sit with the words as you and God and to open it up and he, and he speaks to you when you're in the midst of, of your utter despair. And the word comes and says, he's my light. He's my salvation. And I, I remember holding on to this word and weeping upon this Bible and the pages were wet. I'm like, God, I'm not seeing the light. God, I fear for my marriage. God, I fear for my children. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I choose to hold on to your word. And something happens and the word starts speaking to you and the word starts scaring you. And sometimes people would say, just hold on to the word of God. And I've discovered over the years, man, if I digest the word, if I feed upon the word, there's a place where the word holds onto me. Where the word holds onto me. I'm not holding onto the word. The word that created the universe is holding on to me. It's important for us as this generation to get back to the Word of God. You all know you've had the conversations on Facebook. 
might have had some of the conversations here, but how many powerful ministers of God are walking away from some of the truths that they were proclaiming at one stage. And you cannot base your worship upon a worship leader. Can't base your love of the word about how eloquently somebody's expounding the word. You have to base it upon your love for the word of God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. There are a couple of amazing ways in which God has revealed himself, who he is and his character. And one of the ways he has done that is through his name. And we sang this at the beginning of the, of the service. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed you give and take away. And I, I remember that was actually our, our, our family song. We used to sing that song so often. I couldn't believe you guys had chosen that as the first song. Blessed be your name. When the sun is shining down on me, when everything is as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name in the, in the wilderness. Blessed be your name. The Lord who provides is my light and my salvation. And when I hold on to that verse in Psalm 27, I say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord whose provision will be seen, He is my light and He is my salvation. There were, there were times when um, a few years ago, uh, two years ago, I think, when we were um, asked, by the rest of the apostolic team to lead and to serve as leaders of our church, church family. As soon as I stepped into that position, our finances and show for Summers of the West went just like that, gradually down and down to a place where to give up the office and where we were because we couldn't afford the rent anymore, where to downsize the, the, the staff. And I'm like, God, this doesn't look good. The leader of the Shofar family, his church, you know, I, I know we spoke about numbers. We spoke about those things and we don't, we don't base our, uh, our growth only on numbers and on finances. But somewhere down the line, you know, you like what's going on here. And then you go through a time when one family comes to you and say, our season has changed. We're moving on. And another family comes and another family comes and it's two months and then about ten families that are leaving and you're like, all right, is it me? What's going on here? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. He's my light and my salvation. And I know that this guy tithes a lot. But I've got to let him go. Do you have a word from God? Did God speak to you? Did God say you must go? Yes, God said we must go. I bless you. Go. Go and worship God where he's sending you. Follow God. You don't follow a man. You don't belong to Shofar. You don't belong to me. You belong to God. I'm blessing you. I'm releasing you. It's been awesome. Give you a hug. Bless you. You go. I close the door. I'm on my knees. <laughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation. Jehovah Jireh, you will provide. You will provide. It's easy to sing and it's easy to say it until the rubber meets the road. And you get to the 25th and the 28th, then you don't have money to pay salaries. You've got to stand in faith and like, 
I'm the apostolic leader for heaven's sake. Why must I be in a situation to like the fight? And God is like, so Heinrich, let's, let's have this conversation. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Am I your providers, the people? And the Lord has provided and he's come through and we're in a place now where we can bless others and he's adding people to our congregation. Again, we thank God for that. But I had to go through that again. I had to go through it again. I went through it in Pretoria. And so I had the conversation with God even. God, surely. We went through this in Pretoria. We went through this a little bit in Joburg. We had the office in my home. I mean, this is like a cycle. What's going on here? And God says, because I'm still after your heart. I'm still after your heart. Heinrich, you cannot afford to do this for man. You cannot afford to do this for man. You cannot afford to live for man. Am I your light and your salvation or am I not? Am I enough for you or am I not? Irrespective of what your bank balance say, irrespective of what your statistics say. And for me, it's bank balance of the church, church numbers. What is it for you? What is that thing that you look at and that thing is a sign to you that God is with you? You know how we have signs? Things that if this thing works, then I know God is with me. Maybe not you, but I, you know, sometimes they have things like that. And then when they don't work, the word is challenged. Does God have a future and a destiny for South Africa when it looks the way that it does? Then there are people needed, rooted in the word of God. He's Jehovah Rapha, he's the Lord who heals. He's my light and my salvation. Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. I mean, you know your journey. Went through a journey with two babies in our church. He's Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals. He's the one that heals. He's the one that restores. He's the one that heals. He's the one that heals in this life or the next. He heals. He heals. And it's one thing singing it. The world is looking for people who are living it. People saying, this is what we believe, this is what we hold on to. But we are also operating in that space where not everything makes sense. And not everything is understood. But this we know, that the Lord is our healer. He is our healer. And He's our light and He's our salvation. The Lord is our peace. The Lord... Jehovah Shalom is my light and my salvation. If ever there was a time when this country of ours needed a people who know the God of peace, it's now. To be based, have our lives based upon the rock of Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Before we can proclaim the peace, we need to receive the peace and have the peace work through us. I'm thankful to God for what he's done in our Shofar Church family because there was a time when, when, when peace seemed uh, a distant thing on the horizon amongst uh, quite a few of us as leaders. And part of our testament, the miracle of having convergence this weekend was to just see what God has done, how he brought peace and how he brought reconciliation. 
And we now know, we've, we've come to know him as Jehovah Shalom in our midst. We knew about him beforehand. Because you expect trouble, you expect opposition, you expect misunderstanding, don't you? Out in the boardroom, in the corporate environment, in the world where people, people don't know Christ, but when you face your brother across the table and suddenly this brother feels like an enemy, you need to know Jehovah Shalom. You need to know that we are disagreeing. We're not seeing eye to eye. But the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, is our peace. And we're going to find one another in Him. There is a supernatural peace that we need to release the church of God over our nation. But it is not going to be an easy journey for us. And the waves are beating against us. Are we built upon the rock? Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd, the one that leads us, guides us with his rod and his staff. I thank the Lord for his rod in my life. I thank him for the times that he he had to discipline me. I went through a a beautiful deliverance the other day all by myself. I I thought I was preparing for a sermon, Stefan. But the Lord had other ideas and another plan. I thank God that he's given me the opportunity to preach, Ayeni. Such a blessing to preach. It's like having kids, man. At first you think that, hey, I'm raising the kids. Then you understand, no, God is actually raising you through the kids. <laughs> he's, he's actually busy sanctifying you. You know, so first, oh, I'm preaching the word and, you know, ministering to, to God's people. I'm like, no, no, God is just, he's caught you hook, line, and sinker. You think you're preparing a sermon and he's busy with your own heart. And so I go into the garage because I'm, I'm crying now. The word is speaking to me and I'm, I'm crying. The scripture in Job that says, Lord, you teach me things that I do not know. And the Lord starts showing me things that I, I don't know, things that I'm not seeing, things in my own heart. And he just starts speaking to me, and I'm crying, and I'm laughing because he's speaking to me. I mean, it's painful what he's saying to me, but I'm laughing because he's speaking to me. It's like weird. It's like, you know, I give little Katie a hiding, and she's like, ah, but then she comes and she hugs me. It's like weird, you know, she hates me, but she loves me for the pain. It's like, in that moment, Lord, this sucks. I don't want to hear this. Why are you speaking to me? So just amazing. And, and then I'm crying, I'm weeping. I feel, oh, Lord is wanting to deliver me. So I go in the bathroom, and I'm into the garage. I close the door, close all the doors. I shout, I go ballistic, and I get slain, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Because he drew me to the word. Because he got me to a place of desperation. I'm like, God, you need to teach me things that I do not know because there are so many answers I don't have. And I can only find it here. And I'm going to finish. So I can release you guys. You are my light and my salvation. Just very quickly, when I, when I read that, I, you know, so the amazing thing about the Word of God is you can spend like weeks on one verse. It's like so amazing. So you are my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I want to encourage you, go and do a word study just on the names of God. All right? And so when you read that again and when you sing that, when we come and we sing, Lord, blessed be your name. We sing, Jesus, your name is victory. Have an understanding. Bring, bring Scripture into your songs. Bring Scripture into your songs. Load the words of the songs with a scripturally based understanding. Jesus, your name is power. Understand that that name is the name of the mighty God and everlasting Father. Let it, let it fuel your songs. 
You cannot, you cannot afford to have your theologies shaped by songs, people. That's why it's such an important thing, worship leaders, to choose the right songs. And, and I thank God for the worship leaders He's given us. But you cannot base your understanding of God simply on what happens in worship. You've got to go to the Word of God. And bring that. If we bring that, like I sense this evening, you guys are already bringing such revelation of God into the space. That's why when we started singing, they were just like, we could just go because there are revelations that they don't wait for the band. They're like revelations bouncing off this place from heart to heart. Stuff that God has done in your life. Continue on that journey. Bring that into this room. Bring your revelation based upon the word of God, not your experience, into the space. And something so explosive is going to continue to happen. And God has called this church to set people free. To set them free through the power of the word and the spirit. The weight of people's brokenness, saints, that is coming, the waves that are coming against the lighthouse, are so intense that if we are not based upon the rock, emotion, good songs will be blown away. Blown away to smithereens. And we would just be another amazing church that was cool for a while, and then we're gone. Unless we're based upon the rock of the Word of God. And that isn't the pastor's responsibility. It's all of us. All of us. You are my light and my salvation. Psalm 18, verse 28, David says, For you will light my lamp. And I just want to leave this encouragement with you. You are my light and my salvation. Maybe you don't feel the Lord's light. Then David says, Lord, you are my light. You will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. John says that, that in him was life and life was the light of men and the light shines into the darkness. The darkness cannot comprehend it. If you have a, an area of darkness in your life today, an area of confusion, an area of brokenness, maybe in your marriage, in your kids, something that you are trusting God for and you don't see the light of God, bring it to God tonight and bring that word and say, Father, I thank you that you will light my lamp. One of the things I'm praying about now already is, Father, when, when my season is finished as this servant leader of this movement, what next? What do you have in store for me? God, you've got to light my lamp. You've got to show me. This is just a journey. This isn't the pinnacle. This isn't the top. This isn't the end of my life. I'm just serving and I'm just passing through. But you've got more things in store for me. Light my lamp, God. Show me. I bring that area of uncertainty before you. Light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. I love that. I just saw that picture of the light just blazing into, into the darkness. The darkness cannot resist it. Joburg needs God to enlighten this area. And it's going to do it through you guys. By you I can run against the troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. I couldn't help but think back to Man van Stahl. When I read that, I love Man van Stahl. Some of you guys, the 80s kids that watch television in the 80s, you remember Man van Stahl. was this bionic guy that, um, that was put back together. He had a plane crash, and then it was put together with bionic stuff. But I, I YouTubed it again the other day. It's pathetic. It is just abs- All they did was they slowed everything down, and so when he's supposed to be running fast, it's just slow motion. It just goes slow motion and then he hits somebody's all slow motion but supposed to be very strong and I loved Steve Austin I just wanted to be like him but you know whether it's Steve Austin back then or Captain Marvel today it's all fake (laughs) 
It's all fake. The computer technology has improved and so you can make better fake movies. It's all fake. The Word of God is the only standard. People are looking to all sorts of things to jump as high as possible. It's the Word of God. There are still a people needed. They can go against the enemies that are facing our nation. And we can do that through the Word of God. I'm going to end up with the last, with the last verse. Psalm 44, verse, verse 1 to 3. It's a song by the sons of Korah. I just felt to share this with some of you. There's the sin of Korah. Do, do any of you guys remember what the sin of Korah was? He was one of the guys in the Old Testament that came into rebellion against Moses. Together with 250 other Levites and, and, and other guys, they, they opposed the leadership of Moses and, and Aaron. And then this massive earthquake came, swallowed them up, Korah was no more. How tragic it would have been if that is where Korah's story ended. But they were sons of Korah, who for some or other reason didn't participate in their father's rebellion. In some or other way or reason was sheltered against that, that rebellious spirit. And a couple of generations later, Samuel was born from the line of Korah. And in David's orchestra, we find the sons of Korah. Singing songs unto God. And this is one of the songs that they wrote. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days. Imagine this, that there was a son of the man who was swallowed up by an earthquake. Who had to choose to write a different story. Who had to choose to tell a different story to his children. That instead of becoming bitter and angry and holding on to the past, he's starting a new legacy. So much so that many generations later that there could be a group of psalmists and musicians that could be singing songs that they heard from their forefathers. The very sons of Korah. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds that you did in their days, in days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted, you afflicted the peoples and cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arms save them. But it was your hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance because you favored them. The promises that God has for you, it's not going to come to pass because of your amazingness, your spiritually giftedness. It's going to come to pass whether you live in the light of his countenance, the light of his favor, and whether you trust him, trust him. Regularly, I have to surrender our church into God's hands. Say, God, I trust you to have your way with us. I trust you. What has God given you responsibility for? That tonight you need to surrender to God. For some of you, it might be your sexuality. Might be your purity. You know you've got to steward that better. Some of you might be your physical body. You know you need to sleep more, you need to eat better, you need to exercise. Some of you can be the word of your testimony, it can be your verbal culture that you are participating in a lot of negative talk and speaking death and, and agreeing with all the negativity around us. And yet God has called you to live as a prophet. You've got to steward your tongue. 
Some of us need to steward our time. But you have to bring the light of God into that area of darkness. Can we stand tonight? And I want to ask that we sing that song again. Lord, blessed be your name. I want to thank you for your patience. I know that we've been, we've been busy for a while. I want to pray for you, Shofar Santon, if we can close our eyes. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that I can confess over this church that you are their light and their salvation. Confess over them, Lord, that they need not fear because you are with them. Therefore, they don't have to be afraid. They don't have to be afraid of that boss that's demanding his pound of flesh at work. They don't have to be afraid of the misunderstandings at home. They don't have to be afraid of the spiritual opposition in the atmosphere. They don't have to be afraid of the internal struggle to find their identity. They don't have to be afraid. Because you are their light and you are their salvation and you are enough. Father, I pray that you will expand, Lord God, this this evening, Lord, our revelation of who you are. I thank you for how you whet our appetites, for how you stir our hearts during our time of worship. But Father, I I pray, I, I just see in my mind's eye this picture of at the end of the service, someone standing at the door with this this beautiful little invitation with a time written on it but some of us are content because we've had our amazing experience we've had our fix so to speak we take the card we put it in our pocket and we forget about it Lord I pray now that the invitation that you give us to commune with your word fellowship with your word to have Lord the word live inside of us to have the word breathe inside of us God to have the word hold on to us like you held on to my steering wheel that that morning God when I came around the corner and I was so emotional and I drove too fast and I almost smashed into that wall and your word Lord took hold of that steering wheel navigated my car to safety Thank you, Lord, that you come to do that in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for the lighthouses in this room. I sense in my heart that there are some of you that you've just allowed the enemy to shift you because your foundation became a bit chalky. You're still the one that believes in what God can do. You're still the one that wants to point the way, but but you've just become busy. Even with a lot of spiritual stuff, activity, beautiful things, but the communing with the Word of God, with Jesus, the Word made flesh, has taken a bit of a backseat and just the wind of the negativity around you is just chipping away at that rock or that chalk rather. The Holy Spirit, I just saw, just wants to come and wants to pick up that lighthouse and just put it, boom, 
upon the rock. But you've got to say to him, like, when I get home, as soon as I'm at the driveway, at the gate, Kate comes running out. She stops me. She needs to get into the car. She needs to get onto my lap. And she needs to take the steering wheel and drive into the house. It's so, you just need to run to him tonight. Throw up your arms and say, Daddy, pick me up. Move me, God. Just move me from the chalky ground. I, I sensed that there's some of us, even in this atmosphere of faith, that you struggle with your hope. You struggle with the desperation and the loneliness and the depression. And there's even a thought of just giving up. It's been plaguing you for a while. The Lord says to you that He knows about you. And that He loves you. And that tonight He's inviting you just into His shelter. Into His secret place. So Father, I thank you tonight, God, for a people who are hungry for you. I pray that you would shift us even, Lord, away from being hungry for an experience to being hungry for you. And whether the experience is there or not, we will be rooted in you. I thank you for the two-edged sword that you have given this church. Shofar Santon, I feel that the Lord has given you an awesome responsibility. Because you know so much of God in the Spirit and experience so much of Him. That you need to steward what He has given you. And the way you steward that is within the safety of the Word of God. And I just see that the Lord has given you this tremendously sharp sword. And I see Him just knighting this church and saying to you, I trust you. So tonight is not a word of condemnation. I just feel the Lord is actually wanting to say to you, I trust you. I trust you. And I'm inviting you into a deeper surrender to my word. To my word to have its way in your life. Thank you that you refresh promises here, God. Words that you have given. I pray specifically, Lord, for scripture words. Scripture words, Lord, who burn in hearts. I pray here, Lord God, for legacies that maybe feel twisted and broken. And feel I don't have a good legacy that I'm coming from. Thank you, Lord, that out of that new songs will be birthed and born. New testimonies will come forth. Of the glory and the greatness of God. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.